You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I know that there are different menhagim in Hadulokas Neres, especially in Eretz Yisrael, that they light outside. Some say it should be right when the sun goes down. Some says, say, so Um What is the earliest you can light if, you, if you're not going to be able to light later? And um, this is a, it's a big discussion. Do you have to, do you have to be madlik at Shkia? Obviously on Shabbos we don't, and people die sometimes 35 minutes before Shkia. And even if it's not Shabbos, if it's, if it's difficult for you, you might be able to light even before Shkia. And um, uh, if that's when you can be home, or if that's where you're being mafarsim, uh, obviously you have to put more oil in, but the, the moment of Hadlaka could actually be uh, an hour and a quarter uh, in Shosmanius, which I guess today would be probably something like um, an hour before, um, or maybe less, something like that. Um, so that would be allowed to be, you, you would be able to light with a brocha, according to, uh, according to what it seems to be from Ramadhinir. Some, some disagree, but if there's a question of doing that or lighting very, very late at night, when there might not be anybody up at home except yourself, once again, it seems like that might be a, a discussion. Uh, if that's your two choices, um, then if you can light it early with people around or later with nobody around, the people will be sleeping. I would say that you should probably light it earlier than lighting it later. There are, again, as I mentioned, the Chemen Moshe that's brought by the Sharetzion says that even lighting late at night when no one around should be good enough. However, again, I think that, you know, consult your rabbi. I think the main thing I'm trying to bring out here is that you can light before Shkia. And you can actually, according to many opinions, even make a brocha. That's the when you need to light. Um, just to make sure that it lights after Shkia. So even though you don't do the act of Hadul, even though we say Hadulok is the mitzvah, but it can be done even beforehand. There are people who disagree, but again, you could be so mech on that if you are in a situation where you cannot be home later and you cannot be back later. Um, this halacha is obvious, although some people ask, let's say you're home and your wife gets home later and the kids get home later. And let's say you're in Eretz Yisrael, especially where you're lighting for the B'nai Rishul Sarabim, or even according to the opinions that say you should be mahadr to light for B'nai Rishul Sarabim here, should you light Bizman? Well, you're the Balabayas, you stand for the family. So even if you hold like the Sfardim, that it's one for the whole family, you should wait for the family to be there. Um, because they fulfill the mitzvah through you, so it's obviously better. Um, Again, one could say in Eretz Yisrael, things might be different. Rav Havinera is saying even for B'nai Eretz Yisrael who light outside, they should light later, assuming that when the family comes home, it isn't that late. Um, we've talked about um, uh, an area which we weren't sure about which was, what does it mean you can't be mishtamish with the, you can't use the Ne'er Hanukkah, you put up a shamas. What does that actually mean? Can you, um, not obviously in terms of uh, counting money, you can't do. But what could you do? 
can you learn? Can you sit there and enjoy it? That's not called ishtamshus. That's just called enjoyment. Um, and what about the fact that because the light is there, you're able to see into the next room where you need to walk? That is also called mutter. We don't say, oh, you've just used the Ner Hanukkah. Um, the Chazanish, although Rabbi Vinir doesn't bring it here, the Chazanish said if someone is very worried about sleeping, uh, needs to have some light by his bed where he sleeps, and he decides to move his cot near the near Hanukkah for that reason. And, and, and again, it's not probably the safest thing to do to fall asleep in front of the near, but would that be an example? So the Chazanish felt that might be an example of using the near Hanukkah. Where you're, it's there for you because you're worried because you need to see around where you are, so then you've sort of turned the near Hanukkah into a nightlight for yourself. So that might, that would probably be, at least Chaim Kanievsky said over from his uncle, the Chazanish, that that would be uh, an issue of being Mishtamish. But obviously you can view it and you could enjoy it. Um, Richard was asking me about a type of Hanukkiah um, of a different shape. So Obviously, the best type of Hanukkah is that it is on one level, um, and it's all in a straight line, and it's not circular. And you can see here, Richard, what I said, shiyu begova shove, that the nero should all be the same height. Lo echad gvov echad nomuch. I think you sent me a picture of a, of a Hanukkah that was a little bit um, stylish, that, that, that they weren't all on the same level, the, the neros. Um, yeah, I didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. So as you can see here, Tzarech Merchak two centimeters be ner l'ner. So there should be a two centimeter now. Okay. So as we said, there should be, you know, close to an inch of space between your neiros. And I, I think in many of these children's menorot, uh, they aren't. There might not even be an inch apart, so they should be close to an, at least an inch, or close to an inch or more. Otherwise, it looks like a shalhevis. It looks like it's all connected. Can you have a circular um, uh, near, uh, menorah? Now here, they're sort of all on the same level, but they're just not in a row. So here, Rav... Um, Rav Aviner felt that it, as long as the space is sufficient between them. So he actually was more mako. In other words, at different levels is a problem. Uh, too close apart, too close together is a problem. But a circular Hanukkah, Rav Aviner is saying, would not be a problem. Um, you're going on a uh, you're going on a long trip. You're going on a bus trip. Um, you buy a seat. Ravinir says you could be madlik neiros there. It's a chiddush to me, but again, it could be you you get a schirus in that seat, and for that time, although they can kick you out of that seat, it's like this is your place, so you can light on a bus or in a car. Um, it would seem to me that if you have a family, they should be lighting for you. 
and you shouldn't have to be lighting in the auto bus. But if let's say a person is a single guy and he has nobody he can send to his house and nobody's in his house and he happens to be in a bus, so Rav Avinair says here that you can light in the bus. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, it's a, clearly it might be a, a danger to light there, but let's say if it's not dangerous, it seems like that could be a fulfillment of like an extension of your house. Um, especially if you say when you buy the ticket, uh, you get that. And again, on the old, you know, if you would, the old um, Pullman cars on the trains, uh, I would agree. You know, you would definitely, it's like you're renting the rishus of that apartment, but if you just have a seat in a train, um, you know, you choose the seat, but you actually, uh, it's like you're renting the seat. I don't really understand it that way. I understand that when you when you go onto a, a you know you have the right to be on the train or on the bus and they give you a seat to sit on to sit in. Now, in, in a way, you 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 sort of have a right to be there, but you don't really. It's not like renting the space. You you the, the bus is traveling, and this is what it costs to be part of that trip. So you know, I, I would. I have a little bit of a of a, of a of a of an issue here. Again, this we talked about on an airplane as well, but you know, I think it needs to be thought about again uh, um, whether you could be makayim the mitzvah in that way. You know, again, maybe I'm wrong. It might be that in an airplane you sort of buy the seat. That's what it's always said. I, I bought a seat on a flight. I have a seat on the next flight. So it could be in an airplane you sort of own that spot i'm not sure if it's the same thing on a on a on a bus perhaps it is and even if it is i'm not sure if you could really apply it but again i'm i'll be uh i will bow in covod to ravavinir as far as that goes um when do you start lighting we already talked about that that after the brochos then you start lighting the first one um it's okay if you're in the middle of you can do that too um but as we said it shouldn't be afterwards you shouldn't have everything we talked about that a couple of weeks ago you shouldn't have lit everything and now and and then the, you may then the bracha is over um there are people who are lighting while they're making the bracha that's 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 a mistake one of the things which Rav Avinir doesn't mention here is where you should stand when you make the bracha so if let's say let's say I'm this is the table and for, let's say this is the table, like where I'm pointing to this computer, uh, computer, my laptop here, which I have on the desk. And let's say here is the menorah. So here's my first light. So I should be somewhat like this. So in other words, I shouldn't be standing here. This way, the first thing I touch is the new light. So you should sort of stand a little bit at an angle. If you stand a little bit at an angle, so now the first thing you're going to light is the new light. And that's the one that's the, the major mitzvah. You don't want to, if I'm standing here, then it's almost like I missed, you know, I have this one in front of me. What, I'm going to move back? So it's better to stand here. So the first thing that your hand uh, registers is the new light. Um. In terms of when you sing Neirus Halalu or say Neirus Halalu, um, the minag the Rabbi Vinir brings down is 
you can start saying it as you're lighting the extra candles. In other words, the maiden one, once I've lit this one, I've already been Makayim, the, the basic mitzvah. The rest of what I'm doing is Mahadrin. Um, some say, though, again, some have the minute to only say Neiris Halo once all of the lights are, are lit for that night. Um, Rav Avinir makes the point again that you should really finish the bracha before you start the light. Because while you're making a bracha, you don't do anything else except make the bracha. And we talked about from Rav Yashiv last week how important it is to be standing up and having the proper intent and, and being concentrating. And if you're in the middle of lighting when you're making the bracha, that clearly that's taking away from what you're trying to accomplish. Um, in terms of the minag of the Arizal, um, the Arizal's minig, the Chabad minig is Lahadlik Ner Chanukah, not Ner Shel Chanukah. And I think that is the standard Sephardi minig, uh, is Lahadlik Ner Chanukah, not Ner, not Ner Shel Chanukah. Um, I think by Ashkenazim, there are people who, have, especially like I said, Chabad and others, um, uh, as Avinir quotes here, the standard Ashkenazi minig, which is Ner Shel Chanukah. Uh, and if you are an Ashkenazi and you're doing it, you should say it shouldn't be Ner, it should be, should be, you should make it sh- clear that it's two words. Stop for a second. Chanukah. Instead of saying, Shel Chanukah. In other words, there should be, you should make a distinction. Again, Moshe, I understand you're not even saying shell at all. But if you are saying shell, then the shell should not be, it should be two words. What is the reason for the difference to your knowledge, Rabbi? Yeah, I, 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 it's a good question. Um, in terms of the Shechianu, there's two minhagim. Uh, some say, uh, Shachiyonu, Vigimanu, Vigiyonu, Lazmanazer, some say with a patach, and some say with a chirik. Shachiyonu, Vigimanu, Vigiyonu, Lizmanazer, or Lizmanazer with a shvo. So, again, obviously each siddur would have a different minag. I am not a, enough of a baldiptic right now to tell you which I think is better. Um, I say with a patach, but. Um, is what I say, but again, I'm not going to tell you uh, what is the best way. Um, Rabbi Vinir deals with the question of children, and we talked about how young you should be. Um, and um, what you could do, let's say, if a um, if you're in a Sephardi family, you could have the a child like the shamas. That might be something to do. Or 
you know, if you're if if, if you if you're worried about him lighting so many lights like the others, he could light the shamas for everybody. That could also be a, a good etza, and that might be something that <laughs> depending how young your children are. Um, okay. Um, Now, um, one of the things that we've talked about often when we're dealing with these halachos uh, is if the candle goes out. So, minadin, if your candle has gone out, you don't have to relight it. We hold kavsa ein zalkoklov. But it's a proper thing because there are opinions who disagree to go and relight it. Um So, and even though there are some that say you should never um, extinguish an Erchanika, Rav Avinir says, you know, especially if you're going away, you want to save the oil for tomorrow, um, you, you do have a right to extinguish the flames after it burns uh, and, and save that oil for tomorrow if you want. We talked uh, last week, if a person forgot, if says the wrong Alanisim, whether you're Yotze, uh, and I mentioned that uh, Rav Chaim uh, Kanievsky says it's, it's all right because you don't even have to, you're even if without, without an Alanisim at all, uh, but you wouldn't have to go back if you said the wrong Alanisim. Um, let's say you forget Alanisim altogether. Um, so if before you say, you don't say Baruch Hashem, then you should go back and say it. Same thing is true in benching. Um, if uh, in, in benching, however, let's say that uh, you get you, you do Vnei Yerushalayim, and you get to the section which we call the Harachamans, where you're Mavakish. So instead of going back, you can say Rahamanu Yasmanu Nisim Niflos Kamosha Osa Busainu Now what's interesting about that Rahaman is is that we seem to be asking for miracles. And the Gemara in Brochos talks about how a person shouldn't ask outright for a miracle. Um, and there's many uh, answers on this question. Uh, it's been asked for hundreds of years. How can you say you, you're not supposed to daven for a miracle when a person says, Arachamon, hu ya selano? You're saying, I want you to please do miracles, viniflaos. So you seem to be asking for a miracle. Um, I have, there's plenty of answers that you could speculate here. Um, I, again, some of my feeling is is that the harachaman that we say at the end of benching, even though it's true, it's bakashot, it doesn't really have a din of a tefillah for a miracle. It's almost like a hope as opposed to a tefillah. To actually, you know, daven, and we've talked about this, Nebuch Le'oleinu, if someone's cancer is so severe that it doesn't seem like they're going to make it at all. And 
here you are davening, God, please do a miracle, and that tomorrow that cancer should be gone, and the person should be well, or the person's brain stem had been severed, to daven that the brain stem should, t- tomorrow morning should grow back and be connected. That's davening for a miracle. And um, you know, the Gemara in Brachos seems to say that's called a tila shov. So I, I'm not sure if this is true, but something tells me when you say it's almost like uh, a alavai, you should do it. Alavai, you, you have Rachmanus, but it's not a really a direct prayer to do that. And I think... Robert? Yes. When, when the Abba's stopping for their wife to have uh, have, have children, yes, and, and the wife... That's a good question. Yeah, if the wives didn't have a womb, right, or if they were missing an essential part, are they davening for miracles, right? It's a good question. Um, you know, obviously they did have children. Did God, you know, and you could say God actually changed Sarah Imenu, right? God actually did a miracle for her. Um, and there might be a difference, uh, you know, Richard, um, you know, between the Ovos, because we find that Dina davened for a miracle and it occurred, right? Uh, great Dina, she davened, uh, I'm sorry, not Dina, Leah davened for a miracle because she knew that she was pregnant and she that would have given her um, seven, uh, seventh son. Yeah. That, that would have given her a seventh son. Did she daven for Oh, sorry. Did she daven for her sister or did she daven for herself? And if you daven for someone else, is it different? Well, whatever she was davening for was definitely miraculous. She, she davened. It's different than a nice nigla. In other words, what she was, even though it was, an, it was a miracle because a boy doesn't turn into a, a a boy doesn't turn into a girl, right? But since nobody knew about it, it was in her womb that was happening. It's different, right? Whereas, whereas what was going on. This harachamon seems to be nisim v'niflos, right? You know, God. You know, uh, I, I pray for miracles to to, to start occurring again. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's true, Sheila. I'm not sure. The Gemara does say that ma'isa nisim shiny, right? The Gemara does say when the Gemara asks the Gemara, the Gemara in Brachos is talking about a person who's davening for their child after 40 days. Uh, to be a boy, right? And the Gemara says it's not going to work. And the Gemara says, Dina. The Gemara says, Dina is different. My Sinisim shining. But somehow Dina is different, um, you know, with Leia and Dina. So it's. Right. It, I thought the Medrash says that the, the fetus has actually switched wounds. Yeah, that's another interpretation. Targum Yonason says that. Yes, Shiva. Targum Yonason says. That would also be a miracle. Yes, it would be. And those things, I think, you know, again, I think it's hard to to use, this is to answer you, you, Richard, and Sheila, and in general, it's hard to use what we know from the stories that happened from the Ovos and the Mohos, and to use them as a template for us. Now, there were other Abonner, Amiris and Steif, who was around in the 19... 19- fifties uh, and I think into the nineteen sixties as well. I think he died seventy something. I, I don't remember. He actually says we don't hold like that Gemara and Brochos. And he says you should daven for miracles. 
and he feels that we, you need to give people a sense of chizuk. And you, you have to, you ha- and, and then there's nothing wrong with davening for that patient. I know from Azalman and Rebel Yoshev disagree, and they feel that, that it's almost like pushing God in a place where it really shouldn't, it, and it can't happen. So again, there is maybe a Hasidic way of looking at this, or the Hungarians look at this in a little bit of a different way, uh, those Rabbanim. But again, this is one of the sources that is brought in this debate about davening for miracles. Could we also be davening for the time to come back when miracles are commonplace because we're zil- okay right. that's sort of what i was saying sheila that the miracle should happen again you know what i'm saying in other words right now we're definitely not in that that spot but harachaman that it's that we that, it, that the thing should happen again um i mean i i don't think that they davened i don't think that the kohen you know who, who lit the nair uh was davening you know that night Oh God, let there be a miracle! You know, I do believe in Peter Pan. You know, it's like was he really davening? You know, that the nair should last. Oh, it was a big surprise, right? They weren't davening for it. All right, what about um, dreidel and other things like that? We talked about is it muktzah? Is it not muktzah? Um, so, Ravavi Nair says that there is no minag mikudash. Um, so, why is it that? you know, this idea of dreidel and card playing really began to sort of infect us <laughs> during Hanukkah. How did that happen that, you know, people who lived, you know, uh, in the last couple hundred years, uh, their sense of Hanukkah was, we talked yesterday from Mordechai Eli who says, Limit HaToyra has to be very strong, obviously, but we know that if there was time off taken and you have to come home to light Neros, but the idea of playing cards or doing shtick or playing games with dreidels, um, where does that come from? So some Seifer says that it came in Christian countries because generally the Christians, once um, Christmas entrenched itself, um, they stopped working as much and the Goyim were off. And the problem is, is that the Jews are now, you know, home for Hanukkah. And if they are uh, out in the street and the Goyim are out in the street, that's a bad combination. He says that they're going around So therefore, they came up with the idea of, even for adults, and again, remember we saw Rabbi, Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky said that kids let them play dreidel. But the Chassam Seifer was aware that people, even adults, were quote-unquote gambling, playing cards, and doing these Hanukkah stuff. Why did the, why did the Rabbanim allow that to happen? And they tried to rein it in and say, well, don't play after Hanukkah. Um, in other words, you can only play during Hanukkah, but as soon as Hanukkah's over, you have to stop playing. Now, a lot, Dr. Kogan, a lot of this, I think, here comes Lester. A lot of these things have to do with the impossibility of stopping the gambling addiction that had taken hold of Jews in the Middle Ages. They were addicted to it because it was, it was a way to, 
to change your fortunes. Right. It was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that the, the gambling houses were open for them meant that it leveled the playing field. You know, here they were not able to make money, not able to get in many of the um, guilds, not able to, to, to earn a living. And then, you know, if you if Lady Luck was with you, you could change your, your situation. And this was true in Italy, especially. Uh, but then it spread to other countries in Europe where Jews were, were, although they were shackled from doing other things, they were allowed to gamble. So, so the Rabbonim realized that you're not going to be able to cut this thing off completely, but maybe we can say gambling should only be chalamoyed, uh, gambling should only be on Hanukkah. But, and, and of course, the Chsidim, when they commented on, on this, on these, uh, situations said, you know, that, that, you know, again, what was the word for cards in, in Yiddish was, you know, you know, kvitlach or kurtin, but, it, the Hebrew word for it, when they would write about it, was klofim, kuflam and pay, because they were sort of peels. In other words, the cards were like printed on 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 on, fr- on fruit peels and things like that. Uh, it was like strips of what they weren't using, right? So that's what they would do. They would you know write, they would mark them up, and put a, f- a figure on them. That's why they were called klofim. So. As you know, the Chassidim said, Klofim is like Klippa, right? It's like the uh-huh. shells. It's uh-huh. the shell, the shells of Tum. It's the way the Sitra Achra has gotten into us. So some Seifer really with a lot of Seichel says, maybe the reason why we're allowing this is because this way uh, we're not, because it's Christmas period. And if they'd be out in the street, there would be uh, possible you know, singing, dancing, maybe getting into danger, possibly right. them. So therefore, it was almost better. In other words, in a country where there was a, where they were a bunch of tough guys that you could probably get killed. In a country where they were nice, you're going to join the dancing. And neither of that was considered positive. So because right. of that, they took what they held was a third option, which was not such a great one. It definitely was Bittelsman, and it was gambling, and it's not the type of thing you'd want. But better to be doing this than to be out in the street with the Christians and and, and, and with that sort of problem. That is what the Chassam Seifer says is the reason why it occurs. Um, now, um, and then you can see that's the second reason, which is uh, brought from the Sefer Yisod Chuva and the Chavis Yoyer. Um now, the Chavisir just felt maybe we should come up with different days and don't use Hanukkah. But, you know, the Chavisir was, was fighting a lost cause. For many people, that was considered a standard. And even when I was growing up, it wasn't just fun uh, to play dreidel, but even when I was in yeshiva, there were plenty of kvitwach games. I don't know if any of you know what I'm talking about, but you, I was in one of the best yeshivas in New York. And uh, if you knew where to go, you could get into a good kvitloch game and maybe earn some money. <laughs> or, or I don't know if you could earn it, but you could definitely do something. Um, uh, one of the, my pet peeves is, do you tell someone Hanukkah Sameach? Do you use that term? You know, Simcha would have to be with the mitzvah of Simcha. It's not sure. It's a machlokas whether it's a din Simcha on Hanukkah or not. 
So that's the reason why. And also to use the word Chag might be incorrect. A Chag means a Korban, Chagiga. So he feels, Rav Avinir feels, it's better to say Chanukah Sameach, not Chag Sameach. Um, let's say you're at a big Hanukkah party. I guess it's not going to happen during COVID, but in the time before COVID, when people came together around the time of, of Hanukkah lighting, um, can people light in that hall? You know, again, let's say there's going to be a, a big communal meal. Now, I already mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you might remember, I was talking about the Pesachar of David Feinstein, who felt that that was the wrong way to go. That was from Leisha Feinstein as well, because when you come to that hall, that's like just the place you're eating for tonight, because it's a banquet, but you wouldn't be lighting there Hanukkah. Um, so Rav Avinir says, even though in the Beis HaKnesses they light with a brocha, so... That's a special din of Pirsimanes. Uh, and the reason is, is because, especially in the Ashkenazim uh, communities and, and European communities, where people lit in the house, they felt that there should be a place where you light publicly. And shul is where you light publicly, because that's where people are. So Rav Avinir says maybe um, if there's a big Hanukkah party, then maybe um, if perhaps not everyone should light, but maybe one person should light and sort of fulfill the mitzvah for the people there. Um, Rav Avinir says we don't find it in the in the place Gemarishonim. And even when it comes to lighting in shul, although the Rivosh says, Prophet Duran, the Rivosh says it was because of a place where the Tzibur is, the Beis Yosef says it's because even in the time of the Middle Ages, there were still people who were guests who didn't have any place who would sleep in a room in the shul. Um... So you can't, that's not comparable to a big Hanukkah party. Um, so therefore, Rav Avinir says that you can't just assume now that we're here all together in this party, someone is going to light for everybody. Um, uh, other people say the reason we light in shul is because it's like the, we talked about this, the lighting of the menorah in the Beis Amitosh. That's why we light it on, on the coastal dorm, but that's not the same thing when you come to a, a social gathering uh, to, that, that there should be like some sort of um, uh, you know, official or lighting that the host does or definitely not everybody else. So he knows that many times people at these big events, someone lights in their Hanukkah and makes a brocha. So what Rav Iner says is that if you know he's going to make the bracha, there's not much you can tell him. But if he's if there is a discussion about it, it might be a nice thing to light it because it is Hanukkah, and the people at the party are getting together for the sake of Hanukkah. Why let, there probably should be a symbol of Hanukkah, no greater symbol than the menorah. 
but um, he should probably not make the brocha. If they have a right to eat in the shul, if they're if it's happening in the shul, in other words, let's say it's happening in the Beis HaKnesses. And again, this gets into, we saw, if you remember a couple of weeks ago from Rav Belsky, that the Beis HaKnesses is not so simple to have parties there, to even have a Sheva Brochus there. Uh, he was worried about that. But especially if it's a Beis HaKnesses, even though you make Shalashidus there, but you know, if you're eating in the shul itself, if you can leapfrog over the issue of eating in shul, in terms of the Nir Hanukkah, there might be a, even though they've davened Marev earlier already, and now they're just coming later, and the, and the shul is just the biggest place where they can find a place to eat, there Rav Avinir feels that you could probably make a bracha, because remember what the Rivosh said, the reason why you light in shul is because there's a lot of people in shul. Oh, you're in the shul. You're in the shul, there's a lot of people. So putting it all together would give you the right. And I would assume in a lot of these Hanukkah events, Sort of what makes it real is that someone gets onto the microphone and sings the brocha and lights the menorah. And if that's part of what makes the event special, so I guess you could be makal. Of course, we know Chabad lights uh, with a brocha, um, even, you know, when they lit in Red Square and all those other places. Uh, and that query was, wasn't even a place that they were eating. So, you know, uh, clearly, you know, the Lubavitcher Rebbe was makal. And even Rabbi Vinayar, who's, who's, who's hesitant, will, you know, I guess you can be makal in certain situations as far as that goes. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.